Welcome to Practical Rambling Fathers, Father Brian. And this is Father Tate. Thanks for joining us here for the new year 2021. Yeah, yeah! And to bring in the year, we want to talk about Familiaria Consortio, which is a John Paul II, John Paul the Great. Um, Correct. He wrote it, uh, or it was proclaimed on the 22nd of November, 1981. Mm-hmm. And the Familiar Consortio is the Latin for the fellowship of the family, um, particularly focusing on the role of the, fam- of the Christian family in the modern world. Um, and then we will also talk about how the church announced back at the beginning of Advent, the new year for the church, um, how it is the year for St. Joseph. Uh, so we know how to grow in... Uh, a devotion towards um, Jesus' foster father, St. Joseph. So, Correct. without further ado, we're going to introduce <coughs> the speaker of today, Father Che Hong. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone it's... give him a applause. No, it's okay, not. You give yourself an applause. No, no, no. This is not about me. This is going to be off the charts. Correct. So, the beautiful part about this letter that Pope John Paul II writes right after this, this whole Senate meeting about what does family life consist and how does family life fit into the church. Uh, St. John Paul II really focuses his whole letter on the sacrament of marriage. He was well ahead of his time. He really defended marriage. Because if you think about it, right, how does the church begin, Right? The week after Christmas, what do we celebrate? The Feast of the Holy Family. Right? So God knew knew exactly what he was doing. To ask people to love a supernatural God, just like God, that's hard to do. It's easy to love someone on a natural level, on a physical level, because we can see them. How does this all fit into the sacrament of marriage? Is that God gives us, you know, our parents, so that we can learn to love one another through us living with, with you know, a man who's faithful to his wife, you know, and, and a wife who's faithful to her husband on a daily basis. Because it's showing to us, this is how God loves us. When God loves his own people, and he calls them his beloved children, he's not just making a promise, he's entering into a deeper covenant, as you can say, an eternal marriage between himself and his beloved people. And just to kind of go off of that, um, even Aristotle, the Plagan philosopher, would say that two friends could be infinitely in love with a third, right? So it's not the mutual love of each other that gets us through marriage and makes us persevere, but it's the mutual pursuit of, for him, it would be the good, the true, the beautiful, which all encompasses God or... Goodness or whatever for Aristotle, but for us, it's the pursuit of God Himself and the salvation of really each other. Correct. So. And the reason why we're spending so much time talking about this is because the church begins within the domestic church, which copies itself from the Holy Family. So, one of the beautiful quotes from this writing says, How can I ever express the happiness of the marriage that is joined together by the church? Strengthened by an offering, sealed by a blessing, announced by the angels, and ratified by the Father. How wonderful the bond between two believers with a single hope, a single desire, 
a single observance, a single service. They're both brethren and both fellow servants. There's no separation between them in spirit or flesh. In fact, they're truly two in one flesh, and where the flesh is one, one is the spirit. So this is a very important part for us to remember. Is This shows that approval of God has for the sacrament of marriage. If a marriage and family life is strong within the Catholic Church, then the Church will be strong because this is the root of the foundation of how God loves. So how do we build up the family? Right? That's the biggest question now, especially when we see the families being attacked. Right? Because we've, we've pulled away the sacredness and, and trying to de- redefine marriage as marriage is constituting two persons who have the ability to love each other. Right? But John, John Paul II says, no. It goes so much more than that because when God created the world from the beginning, right? Theology of the body, from the beginning, how did he create the whole human race? He created Adam and he created Eve, which was a complementarity of to who he is as God, as both father and, and mother. And we see the four areas within this letter that John Paul II writes. He says, the synod has drawn that there's four functions for the family. One is to form a community of persons. Two, a life of service. Three, participating in the development of society. And four, sharing the life and mission of the church. So let's talk about the first one, forming a community of persons. What does it mean to form a community? It means more than just four persons in a family living together, mom, dad, two kids. No. To build a community is how are you interacting with each other? How are the children being instructed to develop a, a deeper interpersonal relationship? We're talking about unity. I'm not talking about coexistence. No, that's toleration. I'm talking about being able to grow as a family and talk about the hard things that a family should be able to talk about and how can we grow in faith. St. John Chrysostom says, make your home a church. How can we make our family life and life within our own families something sacred? So when we talk about forming a community of persons, how well do we know each other in the family? Do we spend time talking with each other? Do we, do we spend time eating meals together as a family? Now I know that we can be super busy, but once again, it's that relationship. Because how did God love? How does God love? If you look at, at the Trinity... God loves His Son so much, right? That out of His love, He gave of Himself. And the Son, in return, which is Jesus, loves the Father so much. You look at all Scripture, it says, I have told you everything that my Father has, has told me. Right? I do everything that I see from the Father. So Jesus was really about doing the Father's will. And because of that, God was greatly pleased at the, receptiv- the receptivity of Jesus. And from the Father loving the Son, we have the Holy Spirit. So there's always this communion within the Trinity. And the Holy Family is supposed to reflect that, right? That is why when Mary said her fiat, her yes to Jesus, to become the mother of God, it meant a huge thing. And St. Joseph, he could easily left Mary because of the scandal that would have seen, but he didn't. He humbled himself and said, yes, Lord, listening to the angel saying, you should take Mary as your wife. So you see the Holy Family amidst, amidst their own struggle to build this community of persons.
Number two, a life of service. This is where it kind of gets tricky because a family, in order to really uh, learn to love God, right? The book of, uh, you know, when the famous lines, as for me, my household, right? I will serve the Lord. Who said that? But Joshua, right? So a life of service isn't just, it feels good. It's good for the greater common good. It's good as a human being to do these things. No. A life of service is, if God could love us so much that he left nothing behind, not even his only son, how are we called as his disciples to live the life of service for our families? Right? That's why marriage, uh, Father Mike Schmitz, right? Father Ryan, you told me this, right? There, the, he said this will be, there are two ways to die in this world, correct? Two we ways to die. I don't remember. So one way is, is, is a spiritual death of within our vocations. If you're called to marriage life, that means you're called to die for your spouse, right? So husbands, you should love your wife like Christ did for his bride, which is the Catholic Church. He laid down his life for it. And the, and the reading of, of Colossians, right? Saint Paul, Saint Paul writes about how women, how wives should be subordinate to their husbands. This is a hot topic, I know, but it's We're a deeper. There. But it's a deeper submission of not just because one's powerful. No, it's wives allowing their husbands to become saints in the family. Allowing the man to reclaim his identity as a man of God and to take care you know, of his family. You're, the thing is, the, the submissive line is um, a misunderstanding of what the mission of the man is. Yes, The correct. mission of the man is to die for the family. Yeah, yeah. And the woman is supposed to allow and remind him of that mission. So it's a submission to the mission because it's all under mm-hmm. how Christ is for the church. And so the Christ dies for the sanctification of the church. And Correct. so, yeah. And we're obedient to Christ insofar as we follow what it is for Christ. We allow Christ to die for us in a weird, pretty profound way. Um, to die for us in the different sacraments in order for us to have life. So that is the role, um, is to submit together into that role. Mm-hmm. We'll do a different... I didn't know we were going to talk about that. Okay. We'll do a different podcast on Ephesians 5. Correct. correct. I, I just, you know, I just, I just want to bring it up uh, for a future talk for next time, but I'm just going quickly over real for it too. Um, so that's a life of service, you know, and we can look at Mary, right? <clears throat> Mary, even after the death of St. Joseph, she continued to walk with her son until her time was called from this earth. She continued to pray and minister to his apostles. And number three, <clears throat> participating in the development of society. Believe it or not, the family life is where the first primary instruction should take place, Right? So when when the child goes to church, or when the family goes to church and the family goes home, everything that the child has learned in the home should be re-solidified and re-concretized within the church. The church explains the the deeper spiritual aspects of how practical our faith is. And then when the child goes to school, it's supposed to complement what he or she has received at home and also to make more sense of what is happening in the church. And all three should be um, should be cohesive together in developing it, because society depends upon the, the the rearing of the children by the parents.
And number four, sharing the, in the life and the mission of the church. Right? So where does all this instruction come? It comes from the example of the father. It comes from the example of the mother. Living faithfully to their marriage vows and to become the best saints that they can be so that their children can emulate that and to build better uh, the disciples too as well. And it is tough to be Catholic and it's tough to raise good Catholic families. right? And so Father Ryan and I, we're not going to pretend that it's easy. It's not. And that's why the, the church acknowledges how difficult it is. And it's not a coincidence at the end of the baptism, if we take a look closely at the rite itself, the first two blessings are given first to the mother because she reflects Mother Church. She's the one that gives life. She's the one that gives birth to life. She's the one that nurtures and, and is compassionate in nature. And then the second blessing is given to the Father, who, who, who is the reflection of God the Father, who is the author of life. So he too should be a reflection of God within his own family. And the last blessing is for all those who are gathered, to bless all the family together. Um, <clears throat> and this is important to talk about, is because it's not too late to have this desire of holiness for our family. Right? I want, so I want to commend all you fathers and all you mothers out there. You're doing an awesome job of taking care of your family. So please know that we, we are praying for you. And don't lose hope. Right? You can claim authority for your family. And don't be afraid to exercise that authority. But always out of love. Always out of love. Because love surpasses that of authority. So how does one temper all these things together? Yeah, so why is, uh, it's kind of interesting that he did this in, what, 82, 88? Yeah, uh, why is, we've, I think we've mentioned it before on other podcasts, why is marriage under attack? Yes. And we can, that's the, mar- or that's the vocation that's most under duress, right? We got cohabitation, we got same-sex unions, we got... Um, divorce, we got all these different things. And you can actually kind of search back, for good or for bad, um, no-fault divorce is kind of where you can um, trace the origin to problems, at least in the U.S. Um, You could go throughout time into the Old Testament if you wanted to. But um, no-fault divorce in 1969 became a thing in America. um, And that was where the civil... Gover- or the civil government said what was there is no longer there and we physically force a break on it. Um, and so that that started um, this downward trajectory um, that we are currently in um, to having marriages as long as you love each other. Um, it's no longer a reflection of how God loves his church. It's no longer a reflection of God instituted. It's no longer a reflection of God's omnipotent love for us, right? For Father Taze and I's generation, to have our parents still together is a very rare thing. Mm -hmm. And then even when we're working with couples, that's one of the first questions I ask, are your parents still together? Um, And typically one of them um, has a parent that's divorced. Um, And so that just brings into a whole entire different conversation. So it's really, it's all this history that's been going since the 60s um that is why jp2 was writing this in the 80s even though he saw it clearly before that before he even became pope um 
But all these things have added up to where we are historically um, in not relating marriage to any covenant that God has with us. And so it's been so far removed. Um, but it starts right there. Um, and that's the origin, and that's that's actually that's the origin for our country. I mean, you could, like I said, you could go anywhere with the history of that. But it's under attack from that angle, right? And then no longer, mm-hmm. no longer does that focus on the kids and being having the kids raised up. Then it's just mutually two people who think it's a good idea to live the rest of their life out together, mutually saying "I do." Um, but so the focus is no longer on the kids; it's focused on they're good, but not even to their eternal good, just they're good, whatever that means. And so it's all of these things. And so John Paul II is writing into um, into that culture, seeing the all-out effects mm-hmm. that that has already had in the 80s, not to mention in 2021, um, the effects and the woundedness and the pain and the misery and the... Uh, all that we do as as humans when we walk away from God's plan for us. So, Correct. Um, so I just want to put that out there of like, why are we focusing in on this? Why is why did John Paul II focus on it? Mm-hmm. It's because marriage is the most um, under attack. And if you think about it from the perspective of you know the screw tape letters or the devil's idea of how to destroy the world. Um, if you destroy the family, you've destroyed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's the, it's the block. block between individual and society. And if the family breaks <clears throat> down, the world breaks down, essentially. Because then the person doesn't have a way of figuring out responsibility, integrity, virtue, love, obedience, respect, um, all those things before they hit society. So then they hit society... And society is selfish, greedy, pleasure, power, seeking, authoritative, uh, all those different things. The other thing that happened in America was we had this whole push towards against authority um, in the 60s and 70s. Like authority was like the all out uh, horrible thing and we should uh, do everything we can to revolt against authority. Okay. It's really, I actually find it ironic. This is interesting, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. that movies pre-2000, pretty much pre-2000, were all patriotic, patriotic movies. Correct. Like, every single movie you watch from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, all of them, even in the ones that were about Vietnam, it was always about America winning. Um if you watch in the 60s, 50s, it's all about patriotism, fighting the wars, yeah. you know, doing all these good patriotism things. And then if you look at the post-2000s, every single movie that has the government in it, the government's the bad guy or the government's working some secret organization within the government or within the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just a very interesting flip mm-hmm. that we've had even as a country. Uh, for good or for bad, I mean, it's just an observation of like, oh, well, that's really interesting. Yeah, so, we switched it, yeah. Yeah, so that's enough of a ramble, I think, but just wanted to put those things out there. All right, Father yeah. bring us back to good. what we wanted to talk about, no, about St. Joseph. I'm actually I'm super happy that you, you brought up, and it's the last closing you know, comment of all this, is that whatever has happened 
in your family, right? It, it was not done out of punishment for you or you wishing that you had a better family, right? The thing is, God's asking, inviting you now to be the charge of your family, to make a new start. And how wonderful that during this year of Advent, Pope uh, Francis says, hey, let's begin the right way. Let's look to St. Joseph. You know, because if you look at it, right, St. Joseph is the complete opposite of, of what it should be for, 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 uh, for what it means to become a man, right? Um, this is a, a different... I think you said that wrong. So, no, okay, you're right. Sorry, let me rephrase it. The, the qualities that St. Joseph are known for are not praised by society right now. There you go. St. Joseph... That was the right way to say it. There we go. So you need to do some editing. Sorry, I'm trying to make this work. So St. Joseph was a quite humble man. Right? We're growing up in an age where uh, a strong man should make himself be vocal. He should be very strong, in, uh, you know, independent, as a leader that everyone looks up to, which is not bad qualities. But St. Joseph reflects something much more deeper and spiritual. And so if you read the book from by Father Donald Calloway, um, there's like 10 wonders, or 13 of, of them, talks about the life of St. Joseph, of how all the saints have a big, this big devotion to St. Joseph. And why is that? There's a reason why God chose St. Joseph to become the father of Jesus. And one of the most thought-provoking statements was, Jesus already had a heavenly father. So why was there a need for, for Jesus to have an earthly father? His divinity didn't require it, but his humanity needed it. Interesting. I was like, what? Because that just, just, just shows at, at the source of everything, the humility that God was using to restore everything that came out of pride. Mm. Right, the first sin, pride. I choose to serve myself. Right, the 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 the, 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 the serpent, the, the the evil one, told um, you know Eve. Did really God tell you this? That's a different story. But you see where I'm going with this. But Saint Joseph was a humble, righteous man, and and so when it was his turn, and when he was betrothed to Mary, and he saw when she came back that she was with the child, he struggled. He's like, Lord, this was a holy woman. I'm your righteous man. <clears throat> I've been following. Still is a holy woman, but I can't yeah. be. A... Yeah, yeah. So Mary's still a holy woman. So what's going on? How could I be married to? I don't even know if this is my child. Like, how could this happen, right? And so Joseph had a dream, and the angel, the angel of the Lord, told him, "Like, no, this, this is the child from on high. You must take her for for your your wife." Um, and so one of the things that uh, Saint Joseph, so and one of the things that the book speaks so beautifully about about St. Joseph is that, if you look at the Gospel of John, verse 5, chapter 5, I meant, verse 19. I find my book. You knew you positive? Yeah. So I found the quote. It says, In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, Amen, amen, I say to you, a son cannot do anything on his own, but only what he sees his father doing. For what he does, his son will do also. So the Lord Jesus was speaking to this uh, in reference to his heavenly father, but also applies to his earthly father. Right? We see this in scripture where Jesus was in the holy temple, and then Mary said, Son, why, 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 why did you do this to us? Jesus was right in saying, 
Don't you know I'm doing the will of the Father? And Mary says, yes, but don't you know the anxiety that you caused your father and I? And the gospel looked right so beautifully. Jesus went home with them, learned obedience from them, and found favor with God. Right? So he, so he must have learned this from, from the instruction of, of Mary and St. Joseph too, um, as well. And that's why if you look at scripture, St. Joseph was just pleased to protect his beloved bride, Mary, and his beloved son, Jesus, without any limelight at all. If you look at scripture, the only time you see mentioning of St. Joseph is the dream that he had to protect his son, Jesus, by taking Mary as his wife and, and, and moving them to Egypt. Otherwise, there's nothing much known about him. My so, favorite part about St. Joseph is he gets up from dreams and does the will of the Father. Yeah, without question. I love it. That's complete that. trust in so the good. Lord. Yeah. I love it. And so, and so there, if we read the book of Father Donald Calvin, there's a lot of things that we can learn. What's the name of the book? Yeah. So What's it's called the book? Consecration of St. Joseph, The Wonders of Our Spiritual Father. And it really goes deeper, too, of how he's a prayerful man and how much we can learn from silence and the virtue of humility. And these are the, the qualities that are not praised by our society at all. Um because it has to be loud, it has to be flashy. But St. Joseph was neither of these. He says, I'm content with doing the will of the Father and to protect my beloved bride and, and my beloved child. That's why his name is called, he's the, the patron of the universal church. And he's, he's the patron saint of chastity, purity. And he should be uh, a model for all the men out there. If you're a priest, right, and if you're married, the way that Joseph lived, his spiritual fatherhood, his early fatherhood, is something to shoot for. I, I, I can talk. I can't talk enough about Saint Joseph, but I really encourage for those of, for those of you who are listening to this podcast to really read the book and pray hard. Lord, how do you want? What does motherhood mean to me? Lord, what does like my fatherhood mean to me? It, because we have to rediscover our vocations within within the marriage life because sometimes you said well this was I'm, I'm called to and we forget about it but it's always good to to deepen our relationship with Christ and ask him what does it mean for us right. and to and, live in that grace every day and then an outreach to I guess the young families yeah um, your vocation is between each other mm-hmm. and so you need to keep each other accountable to the mission of the marriage which is your salvation towards each other mm-hmm um, so being with each other, which might mean nights away from the kids, um, because it's first to each other, and then the love you have for each other, um, your children see and are witness to. Um, even if you don't make that correlation, they will and do. Um, and then um, for those who have... Um, are what are they called empty nesters for those that don't um, have any kids at home kind of recommit yourself to this mission yeah um, of what do I need to do in order to die to self to live for the other um, how do we take our our holiness to another level how do we um, do what the Lord's asking of us so and then the old timers that are 60 plus years of marriage be careful hats off hats off you've made it you um no, it wasn't easy. No, it wasn't uh, the most uh, pleasant things at times, but you made it. and We thank you for your faithfulness. Yeah, and know that 
my priesthood is somewhat based on the ability of your fidelity to each other in those 60 years. I know that for my grandma and grandpa is just, it's a very um, humbling thing to see two people committed for so long, 62 plus years, um, and being able to be with the one you love um, that has fallen and broken just as much as I am, um, whereas us priests, we're just stuck with ourselves and God. You're stuck with <laughs> to death do we part. And so it's just, it's a beautiful witness. So thank you for your witness and doing that. Yeah, no, thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. We know this is a difficult topic because it can bring a lot of wounds. But please know that God can continue to heal all of us. And he continues to use your family right now as his disciples right no matter where you are god continues to give us healing but he says the past doesn't find who you are you you have now your own family you can make a new family like that of the holy family so we continue to pray for you and know that uh, you're in our prayers every day daily basis but also in the masses that we offer to as well so thank you so much for tuning in uh, we'll probably do, we'll just do a plug here. We'll probably do something on uh, divorce, just talking strictly about divorce and annulment and somewhat of the process at some point this year um, would be something good to do. And now that Father Tay and I are pastors, we know people that are in the process who have gone through the process and um, maybe be able to get some of their st- um, story recorded in their life and their healing that took place or doing that so well thank you so much thanks for tuning in until next time stay holy my friends